Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story for you today. But first, Zoe, how's life? Well, um, <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone like a year from now is watching this on YouTube because holy crap, do I need like four days off in a row to get our YouTube caught up. But <laughs> <laughs> you shall see. Uh, but I chopped my hair off. and it, uh, it looks gorgeous. Thank you. Because what happened was, so I went to Vegas. Everyone knows this. And for like... <laughs> this is like somebody's first episode. Be like, I, I didn't know she went to Vegas. <laughs> but between the wedding and the other wedding and all of this... Between all of that, I was doing things constantly for about three weeks, right? It was like high impact, high energy, we're going, right? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I got COVID. And then Kari got COVID on the last quarantine day of my COVID. He got COVID? He did get COVID. Uh, okay. And so then we had to quarantine for another five days. And minimum, we ended up uh, quarantining until Thanksgiving. Yeah, so we were literally stuck inside for after this high intensity weeks for two and a half weeks. It feels like at least maybe it was just a half, week and a half. I don't honestly know. So on Friday, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, um, Kari was sleeping and I had just gotten off of work and I was going stir crazy and mm -hmm. my hair had been bothering me for months. And so I had two glasses of wine. I went into the bathroom. I sectioned my hair into four parts. I put the little hair tie about the same length. And I just chopped it off. Wow. And I now have okay. a baggie of purple hair in my bathroom that I don't know what to do with. I mean, okay, you could just toss it. I, I don't think it's enough to, like, be donated. And it's dyed. So, yeah, I, I would just... You, you could just... I don't know, keep, give locks of hair to everybody you want to remember you. Uh, but Or you could just throw it away. Dear listeners, 500 bucks and it's yours. I'm kidding. That's, I think that's no. illegal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you threw me off there. But okay. <laughs> Do you think that... I've only seen it virtually because mm. of the whole COVID like situation, yada, yada mm -hmm. help. But like, do you think you did a good job? It looks good virtually. It, yeah, I do. Um, I, I front, that's how I see you. I've done a 360 and it looks even and it helps that my hair is like curly wavy kind of. And so like if it is uneven, it hides it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I i say i know um i don't know from experience <laughs> i thoroughly messed up on my own covid uh haircuts but um, um i kind of messed tell. up on one of your covid haircuts too to be you fair severely messed up on one of my covid haircuts <laughs> listeners she <laughs> i trusted her your hair's different from mine, okay? I'm used to cutting my own bangs, and my own bangs, I can cut it shorter because it poofs. But yours, no. Yours is thinner. Zoe gave me baby bangs. It, Zoe cut my bangs, like, higher than halfway up my forehead. Like, just straight across. At least they weren't turf bangs. <laughs> What's turf bangs? Oh. The ones that are, like, that up like here. 
Yeah, no, I didn't have turf bangs. <laughs> but like, it's almost like turf bangs grew out a little bit on me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I forgot about that. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> how's your life, Robin? Oh, it's good. It's good. I um enjoyed my Thanksgiving feast tremendously. Mm. And then I bought a lot of stuff for my apartment, okay. um, like a whole bunch of stuff. But, and I think this is revealing that I'm getting older. What oh, I no. am most excited about is the cordless vacuum cleaner I got for over, like less than half of its retail price. Okay, that, that's cool though. It's really cool. I've always wanted and a cordless has, one. It, I'll let you know how it goes, but it has like a good amount of wattage. Okay. for cordless um and it's lightweight it can be turned into a handheld vacuum cleaner when it needs oh. to be and like honestly the reason i convinced myself to do this is like one obvious like if if there's a cord and there's a hassle i'm not gonna clean yeah i'm not gonna mm-hmm. clean i'm not gonna do it but the other thing is that it's literally a tripping hazard and i can't fall so that- i i that's legit yeah i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna go out for that uh vacuum cleaner but anyway it's coming in three days and i'm so excited i'm just gonna vacuum everything (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sure um whoever you're living with for the next five years or the life of the vacuum cleaner will be very happy that Mm -hmm. you are excited to vacuum (laughs) i might i might lose my gusto in about a month oh still (laughs) i mean i can't speak for forever but i'm just very excited about my cordless vacuum cleaner Do you have a something something for us? I do have a something something. So, Robin, as you know, I listen to all of our episodes twice because I'm in it and then I edit it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did know that. So, well, so I just don't think of this as like listening to an episode. Yeah. 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 But it's like I hear the okay. stories twice at least. You do. Okay. Yes. So there is one. I can't remember which one we were talking about. And we were like, we don't know the difference between first, second, and third degree murder. (laughs) Yeah. Are you enlightening us? So I'm going to enlighten us. We're going to have a something spooky on the true crime side of something spooky, where I'm going to go over the legal definitions, at least in California, of... (laughs) Why California? Because the first first link I found was, like, in California law. It was really weird because it defined it in California law, but then it showed its punishment in Florida law. But anyway, it was a weird article. But from what I can tell, it's pretty universal. So first degree is the worst. Third degree is the least worst. Um, You're about to say best. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was not about to say best. I was just trying to figure out how to say not like worstless. I don't know. So first degree is the unlawful killing of a human being with malice aforethought. So that means these are murders with intent and premeditation. So you thought about it. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you go and you intend to kill another human being. Can I? Because I've wondered, like, what counts as premeditation? Like, so is it like... mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Is it like before... Is it like you have to, like leave somewhere to kind of go and do it is that like the kind of action we're talking about taking and the kind of waiting or is it like you can be with somebody and then just be like i'm going to decide to do it 
and then do it? So I think I think for the most part, it's like you're like in a total separate zone and you're like, I'm going to kill this person. And then you go to the person and you kill the person. I think for the most part, that's what it is. But I remember when we were having the conversation of we don't know what the difference is. I brought up this one woman. She found out that her husband touched her child and she stood in the kitchen and boiled sugar water that was mostly sugar. And it took seven minutes for the water to come to a boil with a sugar in it. And then she poured the sugar water over his crotch area and then killed him. And the police or the lawyer, the attorneys argued that because she sat there for the seven minutes and watched the pot boil, that was premeditation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it it's changeable. It depends on what your attorney says, basically. Okay, gotcha. So the second degree murder is intentional killing without premeditation. So even if they intended to kill the person, it was a heat of the moment decision and it was not planned in advance or it cannot be proven that it was not planned in advance or it cannot be proven that it was planned in advance. There we go. Okay. Yeah. There is a subsection of second degree murder that's considered second degree manslaughter where the offender only intended in the moment to cause serious bodily harm to the victim, but they accidentally go too far and cause the victim's death. Okay. Yeah. So it's like if you're trying to really, really hurt them, but you accidentally kill them. So that is second degree manslaughter. And then third degree murder and manslaughter are kind of hand in hand, but they're a little bit different. Third degree murder is when somebody acts with disregard for human life and is aware of it, but they continue with their actions and end up killing somebody. So that would be like driving under the influence and then killing somebody in a motor accident. That would be Mm -hmm. third degree murder. Manslaughter is when you're unaware of the harm you could cause. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't think of an example for that one because I can't think of an example of when you... I mean, you can accidentally... If you're playing pinata with a metal bat and somebody walks up while you're blindfolded, you could argue that's manslaughter. Yeah, don't... um, Don't walk up to people. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> when they're playing because they don't do a pinata with a metal bat but okay just don't approach people <laughs> don't approach people ever <laughs> only way to stay safe yeah yeah but okay. yes so now we are educated on the differences between first second and third degree murder thank you uh whenever we have a question about this in the future so we just need to go back and listen to this and be like uh-huh. Oh, yeah. OK, th- that's that's where this falls. Well, I feel like this is one of those things that like once you actually read the definition of it, you you'll know it, you know, I don't have so much faith in myself <laughs> but thank you for, for thinking that. Well, um, Robin, do you have a story for us? I do. And I think you're going to get mad at me. Oh, no. <laughs> it's another ship. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have a problem and I'm aware of this, but actually lots of cool things happen on ships, or at least lots of mysterious things. Okay. Okay, so, so, okay, 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 okay. So, my, my last episode that I did, 
I thought about doing this and I was like, no, Robin, you just did the USS Yorktown. <laughs> so I gave myself an episode of Breather. And I, I just need to let you know if we're going into this, we are going to revisit a location that uh, longtime listeners will may find familiar. And in fact, there is something more than just location linking these two stories, which I found fascinating once I realized. Okay. But the ship we are talking about is the Carol A. Deering which I'm going to call the Deering from now on. It started construction in 1918 and was officially launched on April 4th, 1919. It was built and operated by the GG Deering Company in Bath, Maine. And yes, it was named after GG Deering's son, Carol. Oh, okay. Carol, with like two L's and two R's. I think it was more commonly a man's name, or at least more commonly than it is now back then. Okay. Like one of those names that shifted, like Ashley. And Lindsay. Yeah. So this was a large wooden sailboat, also called a schooner with five masts. And it was used for commercial purposes by the J.G. Deering Company and largely hauling cargo across the seas. Got it. The ship was manned by a crew of about 10 men, plus a first mate and a captain. And as of July 19th, when 1920, not 2020, 1920, the <laughs> the Deering was leaving Puerto Rico, hip hopping along to get some coal from a place called Newport News, Virginia. And yes, that is a real city. And I know that because I Googled it. Okay. To make sure. The captain at that time was William H. Merritt. And his first mate was actually his son, whose name was Sewell. Sewell? Sawal. Sewall. One of those is probably right. Seoul, like Korea? S-E-W-A-L-L. Oh, okay. Sewell. 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 Sewer? Sewell. Sewell. Jewel, like Jewel, but Sewell. No, it's not spelled like Jewel. Uh, Oh. Uh -uh. (laughs) Okay, so they had popped along to Virginia, got their coal, and they were leaving again on, because that's, you know, the ship's life. They're leaving, they're always going on August 26th. I don't know why I explained that. On August 26, 1920. And they were going to go to Rio de Janeiro, except Captain Merrick came down with some very serious illness and he wasn't able to complete the ship's journey as its captain. And so the Deering turned around, dropped the captain and the first mate, who was his son, off in Delaware, and then paused as they were getting a new first mate and captain back on. So the Deering Company selected Willis B. Wormell, W-O-R-M-E-L-L. Uh-huh. I'm going to say Wormell. I feel That's like these are it. all fictional character last names, honestly. They kind of are. They kind of <laughs> are. They selected a guy named Charles B. McClellan to be the first mate. So Wormell and McClellan. Willis, I had to write Willis. His name was Wormel, sorry, was about 66 years old and he had captained ocean vessels before, so he was experienced. And great, everything seems ready to go. They leave on September 8th, 1920, and they make their way to Rio. But it seems like everything wasn't smooth sailing mm. because once they got to Rio, the captain met up with an old friend of his named Goodwin. Names weren't first names weren't mentioned but he met up with a guy named goodwin who was also a ship's captain who happened to also be in rio at the time and he complained a lot about his crew 
And he was saying that the only person on board that he really trusted was the ship's engineer named Herbert Bates. And Goodwin knew Bates as well, so it was a mutual acquainted situation. Stopping in Brazil, things don't seem super great. They start leaving again, and in early December, the ship is headed to Barbados, Barbados on a supply run. So there they stop for a few days. McClellan, the first mate, goes out on the town and partakes probably a bit too much in the old drink. And he comes across other ship captains. I have never seen so many ship captains in my life. I'm assuming yeah. they just have places they find each other. I don't know. Yeah, to to admit to you, I am drowning in these names. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, the names other than McClellan and Wormel, I'm just, I'm just going to stop with the names unless they're like really important. So okay. he talks to another ship's captain whose name I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. And <laughs> he's like, bro. <laughs> This just sucks. I'm so fed up with Captain Wormel because of a few reasons, one of which the guy, the captain's job, I'm assuming, is to navigate <laughs> the ship. He's like, he decides where we go and how we get there. But Wormel was 66 years old and according to McClellan, had failing eyesight. And mm. so he wasn't able to do the navigation himself. And so McClellan was having to take that on because the captain wasn't able to complete his duties. And then other than that, I believe from what he's saying <laughs> that the first mate's responsibility is to also kind of be in charge of the crew. And so whenever he would try to discipline the crew, Wormel would involve himself. Oh, so he was getting kind of doubly fed up with Wormel and he didn't think like, anyway, it just, it seems like things were kind of heightening a little bit. Tensions were heightening because at another point during their stop in Barbados, the unnamed captain, unnamed to you, captain who McClellan was <laughs> talking to, along with two other men, one of whom was also a captain. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Heard him in a cafe, heard McClellan in a cafe saying, quote, I'll get the captain before we get to Norfolk, I will. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Later on, he was arrested for public intoxication. Okay, it was a little bit unclear. I think it was public intoxication, but it, the way I read it, it could technically possibly have been for, like, the threat, too, but I think it was public intoxication. But Wormel, the captain, bailed him out, and they made their way to Norfolk, Virginia. Or they were headed that way anyway. So, ahem. This is January 29th, 1921. The Deering is seen off the Outer Banks in North Carolina. So the Outer Banks are a string of barrier islands, several, more than several, miles off the coast of North Carolina. And they were seen by something that's called a light ship, which is a lighthouse. But that on is a ship. Okay. Yes. But it's not like you have like the huge tower of a lighthouse. It's it's just a ship with the, the, the job of being a lighthouse. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the lighthouse keeper, who I'm just going to tell you his name because I'm going to have to refer to him quite a bit. Captain Jacobson was, you know, just, you know, doing doing the lighthouse keeper thing, light ship keeper thing. When the Deering came up slowly, like five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talk and a guy there's there's a guy on a deck on the deer on the deering with a megaphone on and this guy is a ginger okay. and he's tall and he is slender and he is speaking with an accent which makes sense because most of the crew was scandinavian okay 
But it seemed to Jacobson, the captain of the light ship, that this wasn't an officer of the ship at all. Like this wouldn't be the first mate or the captain. Um, which is kind of odd that this was a person communicating with him. Mm-hmm. But the guys shouted out that they had been in an, in a storm on another region of the Outer Banks called Cape Fear, mm-hmm. and they had lost their anchors in that storm. So they're kind of like, think like if a car's lost its brakes, except that this is a ship, so it's very heavy, but it's also very slow going at five miles an hour. Right, yeah. It's a dangerous situation that they might be able to avoid, but eventually it's going to be like, well, we have to stop it somehow. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you can't just keep going. I mean, I guess you <laughs> could, it's like, yeah, curvy, I don't know. Um, So, <laughs> sorry for the joke. Okay, so. Did you, did you say groovy? I said scurvy. Scurvy. I thought you said it's groovy, you know? No, 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 that's not groovy. It's scurvy. <laughs> groovy is scurvy no scurvy is groovy kids i don't think it's groovy um eat your oranges everybody (laughs) i'm allergic and you know that oh my god how do you not get scurvy because you need citrus and you can't have citrus you can have other vegetables it's just like oranges are the most direct oh okay well eat your veggies (laughs) so the guy who's shouting over the microphone is saying like Please let the Deering Company know that we, their ship, are in this predicament. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what good that would do, but maybe they could like find a way or at Get least let them know. Anchors. Hey, we might be late a lot. <laughs> or we might barge into your pier. I don't know which one. So Jacobson was like, all right, got it, got it, got it. But his radio wasn't working. So like he couldn't relay that information himself. But okay. Luckily enough, right after the Deering hip-hopped along there. Why hip-hopped? I don't know. Why not? (laughs) So did another ship. And we don't know the name of this one because he couldn't make it out. And I saw one thing say that, like, there was a canvas that, like, covered the name of the ship. But I only saw that one place. And so I'm not sure if that has... It would be entirely suspicious, wouldn't it? So, like, just know that that's a possibility, but not necessarily a fact about this. Okay? I wasn't sure enough. But this fella, Jacobson, sees that ship, and he's like, Yo! Yo! Hey over there! Hello! There's this other ship that was just ahead of you that is without anchors. Can My radio is not working. Can you please send this information to the Deering Company? And the ship was ghosting them. Like, and he just was like, hey, you, hey, you. And I don't know how he's communicating. Maybe he has a megaphone, too. But the ship was like, no, <laughs> like, just not responsive. Maybe it was a ghost ship. Ooh, maybe Ooh. it was, Zoe. Maybe it was. But he was like, that's weird. And one other thing I forgot to mention about the Deering that is actually very important at this point to know. While Jacobson was looking out at the ship, he was like, that's weird about one thing in particular because, and I'm just learning so much ship terminology, but there's this thing called the quarter deck. Okay. Okay. So the quarter deck is this high up deck. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quarter of the size of the other ones. It's little, but like... (laughs) It's where the captain would stand. It's like at the, I think it's at the front of the ship. Okay. Come at me if I'm wrong, please. Correct me. I think it's at the front of the ship. 
and the captain would be there to like navigate and to like order things and stuff that's the captain's place uh-huh. but like he thought it was weird because the crew was like walking all over the quarter deck and the crew's not usually allowed on the quarter deck gotcha and that was on the deerling not the ghost ship it was on the deering not the <laughs> not yeah. the ghost ship <laughs> okay this is also the the deck if i'm reading this correctly where like jack ran to it like the kind of probably not because it's like a big ship but like in titanic you know jack goes to the front where he's like i'm king of the world that would not be where the captain goes okay so i guess i read that wrong anyway um <laughs> but like this is a much smaller ship yeah but no that's like the 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 the, the puke point of the ship like why would you call it the puke point because that's where you puke off of that's the front I'm, why I'm... would you puke on the front I'm not saying that's an official term. I'm saying, yeah, no, 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 no. That's like I think you need I, to pick a different place to puke off a ship, Zoe. I would, the I wind. would, I would honestly imagine that a the captain's little area would either be in the center of the ship or the back of the ship. And the only reason I think that is because I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean a few times. But he needs to know where he's going. Yeah, he's like go that way. But it's really high up, so he can see. I don't know. I thought it wasn't that high. Anyway, there's anyway. a part of the ship that these people <laughs> weren't supposed to be on, generally. And he was like, they're all over this thing. Yes. I just like need ants. to know that information's... Like ants. Except they're ten grown men. But just, <laughs> I need you to know this information, Zoe, okay? I, I know it. Thank you. All right. Um... <laughs> Fast forward to January 30th, 5.45 p.m. Okay, Zoe? Mm-hmm. We're still on the Outer Banks. Okay. And there's another ship whose name I don't know. There's another ship who spots the Deering. And they make note of it in their minds or something, the people on the ship, because it's the Deering is going straight toward this place called the Diamond Shoals. Okay. The okay. So, ahem, a little bit of geographical information. Yay! Yay! Your favorite, Zoe. So the Outer Banks are actually uh, pretty dangerous overall for ships, but it's also a good place for ships. It's kind of confusing. It's called the Graveyard of the Atlantic for one, oh. because of all the shipwrecks that happened there. And the first one was actually the first known one was called the Tiger in 1585. Just so you know. Yes, the Tiger. Rar. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so, so the reason that people like go along the Outer Banks, if it's dangerous, is because the ocean currents happen in such a way that if you go closer to the Outer Banks, the actual islands themselves, you'll get to where you need to go quicker. Mm-hmm. But... The Outer Banks, you know, it's raised areas of land. They're quite flat, and so it is easy to run aground because you might not be able to tell that land is literally coming up ahead of you. And because, you know, there's, like, lots of sandbars and areas of higher raised sand that is still underneath the water, which your ship might hit upon. And it can be particularly dangerous if there's a storm going on, Mm-hmm. which there often is in that region. So the Diamond Shoals is an area 
of like sandbars that go out from the shore of Cape Hatteras for about eight miles. And these are this area is like particular. This is like the most dangerous area of the graveyard of the Atlantic. And so the ship is heading on headlong towards it. They don't in on the ship that saw them reach out to the Deering because in their minds, they're like, okay, well, there's a lighthouse and a light ship in that area. These people will be able to know and to be able to change their course when the time comes. Mm -hmm. That's their thinking. They also noted that nobody seemed to be on the Deering's decks. Oh, okay. I didn't see anybody. So the next morning, this is about 6 a.m. on January 31st, 1921. A member of the Coast Guard is on Hatteras Island in the area of Cape Hatteras, and he's looking out and he sees the Deering and mm -hmm. it has run aground on the Diamond Shoals. It has wrecked. It didn't look like from a distance anyone was on the ship and they were able to see that the lifeboats were gone. There was a storm happening at that time, or at least very bad weather, to the point that they didn't think that they could go out to the ship safely. So they had to wait till February 4th to get there. And before I tell you what they found on the ship, I want to ask you something, Zoe. Uh -huh. In what other episode did we discuss Hatteras Island? Episode one? No, no, we didn't. Dang it. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't need you to give me a number. Okay, okay. I'll tell you. The lost colony of Roanoke. Oh. I thought yes. that was in Virginia. Aren't we talking about North Carolina? No, there is a Roanoke, Virginia, but it's unrelated. That's right. Yes. We had yes. that discussion. We had this discussion. And I clearly forgot this discussion. Which is why I didn't have faith in us remembering the murder things. So at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. So yeah, so a brief rewind to tell okay. you what happened or what probably happened on Hatteras Island. So this is actually the first colony english colony going over to the americas that was bringing like women and children with the intent that like we're going here and we're staying here and we are reproducing here this is where we live now and we'll live for the rest of our lives mm -hmm. so they went over to the outer banks of north carolina and came upon an island whose name escapes me right now and they're there for like a couple months or something along those lines and the person in charge of them went back to england to get supplies because they quickly realized that they didn't have enough mm -hmm. and when he came back years later or something like that to the island where the colony had been everybody had deserted it and there's been <laughs> Several hundred years, because uh, it happened in the 1500s, several hundred years of theories about what might have happened to these people. And of course, aliens even came into the picture. But what most likely happened, and even and especially probably most likely happened because they had a predetermined code about how to tell what happened by carving something into a tree, and that <laughs> this was carved into the tree, they probably went down to Hatteras Island, where they were allies with the native tribe there, and they probably just lived there for the rest of their lives and integrated into the culture. But people don't like that theory as much as aliens. No. But anywho, <laughs> <laughs> there's also something, like I hinted at earlier, connecting the story with the Lost Colony of Roanoke beyond the geography of it, and we're getting to that right now. So... When they got onto the ship, nobody was there. Okay. 
None of the crew members were on the ship. The lifeboats were gone. The crew's belongings were gone. The navigation equipment was gone. The ship's logs were gone. And the captain's cabin was in disarray. And probably most interestingly, there was food that had been clearly being prepared that was abandoned because they had to leave or they did leave or something. Some other things I wanted to note, and I'm not sure if this came from like the actual wreck of the ship or not, Mm -hmm. but the steering wheel was broken. Mm -hmm. And like two other things that are used for steering, the rudder and the binnacle box were all pretty much made to be unusable. And I'm not sure if that was like naturally occurring from the jolt of it or if that was like intentional. But the word I did see about the steering wheel was shattered, which I didn't think of a steering wheel as something that could shatter. It is unclear what exactly happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually kind of a hundred years old mystery. But with the fact that there was food in the galley that was being prepared for a meal, clearly this wasn't like oh, this is an interesting thing because we're kind of getting into the thought of premeditation. This wasn't something that could have been planned way far in advance because they had the food going, but they had enough time that it wasn't like a jump overboard situation. Right. Because everybody got their belongings. Right. Nobody on that ship was ever seen or heard from again. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. in the way of... Nobody ever tracked to see if they could find Sergeant so-and-so or whatever they're called on a boat, but nobody, like, seamen, I didn't want to say seamen, but seamen, Ryan, like, nobody, (laughs) nobody was, like, did some, they tried to track them down, or was it, like, family members were, like, hey, where's my son? He was on this boat, and he never came home. And even 20 years later, he never came home. So, like, I don't know if they ever did, like, a manhunt for them. Partially because, like, I don't think that there was a lot of information about who the crewmates were, necessarily. Because I didn't ever see any names other than the first mate and the captain. Mm -hmm. The captain's family was definitely very involved. And there were investigations, Mm -hmm. but... I didn't hear anything about like a search and rescue type thing. And I don't know what a search and rescue type thing in like 1921 would have looked like. Cause I don't, you can't really have like helicopters going out. It's probably more of like a, if I had to bet, I would say they probably had like a keep your eyes peeled yeah. notice go out. But like, it's not like they were like hunting down these people and had like photographic record. Well, they did have a photo of the guy, but they didn't have like, any sort of like video cameras or anything to be able to like hunt them down in that case you know what i mean yeah i'm just wondering like if they actually because i mean what i'm picturing in my head right now is that the first mate and the captain got in a tussle in the middle of a storm and because they were tussling they weren't minding the ship they ended up losing anchors cash catastrophe whatever how you pronounce that word catastrophe catastrophe ensues and maybe one of them throws the other off board or something you know like or maybe they go down together and so now the crew have to figure out what to do because now they don't have any anchors and they're Mm. not in charge of things so they have to figure out what to do and so they stop preparing dinner and they can't they, they signal for help 
and the guy can't help them, doesn't tell anyone. And they're like, well, the Diamond Shores are coming up. We'll just crash into the Diamond Shores and then shoals, excuse me, and we'll get into the lifeboats. Everybody pack your stuff, get into the lifeboats, boats, and then we'll leave. So they crash. They get in the lifeboats with their stuff and they leave. They go into shore and then they just go home and everybody is investigating the boat and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, there's nobody here. Where would they go? But in reality, they just went home. So I wonder if anybody ever went to, like, the family members of the crewmen and were like, hey, did your son ever just turn up? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, like, okay, one other thing. This was big, major national news. Like, international. Okay, okay. Like, Italy got involved. Italy. So, So they probably would have been like, yo, news people, this is what happened if they were alive and just chilling eating their mom's cooking yeah like a simple i'm fine would have sufficed okay (laughs) okay yeah this wasn't like an obscure thing this this was a big deal but like i don't know if yeah we'll we'll get into the theories in a second okay Okay. sorry first off the ship itself was blown up via dynamite on march 4th okay because they didn't think like it was safe to Remain there? Yeah, because they thought, like, other ships would, like, bump into that ship, I guess, or something like that. I there There's there's a new chapter in this a little bit I want to tell you about that started April 11th, 1921, so later that same year, when a fisherman named Christopher Columbus Gray came <laughs> forward with a message... <laughs> yeah, okay, the name. Uh, <laughs> came forward with a message in a bottle that he found off of Buxton Beach, which is south of where the ship had come ashore. And it said, Deering captured by oil burning boat, something like chaser, taking off everything, handcuffing crew, crew hiding all over ship, no chance to make escape. Finder, please notify headquarters Deering. Oh. And people were like, what? So the note made its way somehow to Almeida who was Captain Wormel's widow, or Mm. presumed widow. But she saw the letter, and she said that the handwriting looked like that of Herbert Bates, who was the engineer on the ship, and the one man who Captain Wormel said he trusted. Oh. And the note, the bottle that the note was found in was originally from Brazil, which is where the crew had docked just months before. Oh. However, he did confess to this being a hoax. Who confessed? So I call the O's. The guy, Christopher Columbus Gray. Oh, the guy who found it? Yes, yes. He Aww. he said that he wanted a job on the light station at <laughs> Cape Hatteras. <laughs> and like this was, this was how mean, he was going to do it. Okay. So. But that's, that's a little bit cruel to get like false hope to the widow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I don't think he got the job. No. I'm going to, before we get into, like, the real theories, I'm going to briefly talk about the elephant in the room, which is the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. So, okay. The Outer Banks are not in the Bermuda Triangle. They're hundreds of miles away from the Bermuda Triangle. However, the ship did go through the Bermuda Triangle. So some people were like, did it keep something? Like, did it it go through (laughs) and some of the curse or whatever get to it? Did that have to do with it? Did it it have delayed reaction? And my vote is no. 
So the Bermuda Triangle is a triangle oh. in the ocean, and it roughly connects Bermuda, Florida, and Puerto Rico. And things go missing there. However, including Amelia not- Earhart, possibly, <laughs> or is it definite? I can't remember. I don't remember where the island she was found. She wasn't is. found. Her bones oh, wait, were found. No, she was, was eaten by crabs. There were bones that might have been her, right? That were very likely her. <laughs> I need to look into that more myself before I agree necessarily. <laughs> Did they find a plane? I don't know. That would help. All I know is coconut crabs ate her. Okay. And she was really so, short. <laughs> she was short. <laughs> missing in the getting back things go missing in the Bermuda Triangle possibly Amelia Earhart but it is not necessarily necessarily statistically higher missing things going missing that's a good way to phrase it Robin yeah. um, than other places that people travel through often uh-huh it's just because it's in the Bermuda Triangle people go ooh but like it's just it's a highly trafficked triangle Mm-hmm. And people and things tend to go missing in highly trafficked areas. But it is a perfect opportunity for conspiracy theorists to run wild with their imaginations. And theories, of course, include aliens. When people don't know what's going on, they just love to say aliens. And even if it makes no sense. Another theory is portals to other dimensions. Okay. However, there's also lots of natural reasons as to why things might go missing there. One, lots of hurricanes. Yeah. Hurricanes all over the place. Two, there are places where the water is rather shallow because you do have like all these little islands. It's similar to the Outer Banks with like all the sandbars coming up. It's just kind of dangerous for ships to go through because you might not know when you're coming across really shallow waters. And I'm going to try to do some science or talk about science with you. So there is this true north. Okay. Versus magnetic north. Okay. True North is the North Pole, where Santa is. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Magnetic North is not. So Magnetic North is the northernmost point of Earth's magnetic field. And that can change places sometimes. And it's, for example, can be like hundreds of miles away from the North Pole, but it's probably still, at least for right now, going to be somewhat close to the North Pole, aka True North, and not just randomly show up in Australia one day, okay? Right, yeah. So compasses use magnets. Mm -hmm. And these magnets generally point toward the magnetic North. Mm -hmm. But... In the Bermuda Triangle, there is reason to possibly believe that sometimes these compasses will, instead of pointing toward magnetic north, somehow point toward true north. Hmm. Science is still sciencing about that, but (laughs) there is reason to believe that might be the case. And so in doing so, you would be thrown off your course. Especially since they're closer to the equator, so, like, a small degree of difference makes such a big difference the further away you are. 
So that could throw oh you gosh, off. Right. It would throw you off more at the equator than it would like in the Arctic Circle. Or, or would it be the opposite? No, actually, I think it's the opposite. Yeah, I think it's the opposite. Because those actually. would be the two points, and you are the the you are the angle point. You are the. Yeah, it would be much harder in the Arctic. Mm. Okay, okay, never mind then. Then they're just mamby pambies who can't tell the difference between one degree. I'm kidding. I'm 100%. (laughs) People died, Zoe. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, theoretically. In the Bermuda Triangle, I think we can. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. People died. But okay, so that was just a brief foray into the Bermuda Triangle. That has nothing to do with this case. Okay, yeah, yeah. You have to talk about it. Right. When it happens. So on to the theories, and this is just a mess. Yeah. This is just a mess. The U.S. government, and in fact, five departments within the U.S. government, investigated this, partially at the insistence of Wormel's daughter, whose name was either Lulu or Lula. I don't know. (laughs) The investigations closed a year later, and they didn't release any formal conclusion. But it did bring up some interesting tidbits, particularly... That the Deering wasn't the only ship to go missing in this area around this time. There were others, too, and one of them was named the Hewitt, and that's, I think, the most famously disappeared ship that is talked about when you were talking about the Deering case. Like, the Deering is kind of known most of all, but the Hewitt is, if you're going to bring up the other ships, you bring up the Hewitt. And... The reason for that is because it was also discovered there's lots of hurricanes happening at that time as well. And so people were kind of realizing hurricanes were happening at the same time and that these ships, most of them that had gone missing, were in the path of these hurricanes. And so you're like, oh, well, shoot, that's probably what happened there. Except the Hewitt and the Deering were both going away from the hurricanes. So. Even though there was like a storm off the Diamond Shoals, it wasn't like a hurricane level or something that would have necessarily have caused like anything bad, at least to the level of being like a completely disappeared crew and stuff. Right. So one theory about it is that perhaps the ship ran aground on the Diamond Shoals with the crew still on it. And they took the lifeboats out and probably died at sea in that theory. Mm -hmm. And they did take like navigation equipment. So like clearly they were kind of going somewhere. But I did have a question on reading that theory because like, why didn't they wait on the ship for the storm to pass so that they could go out in their lifeboat safer or better yet, go on to Cape Hatteras, which like you could probably get to via your lifeboats once it wasn't storming. Were they, like, transporting anything, like, gasoline or something like that, where it could have exploded and they felt unsafe staying on the boat? You said they were a cargo ship, but... I I don't think they had anything that they were transporting in the ship that I know of, because the last thing I heard of, they went to Virginia to get the coal, take it to Brazil... And then I think they were making their way back to Virginia and they just stopped at Barbados for supplies for like, you know, themselves. But I don't think they were shipping anything. And if it was gas, I feel like that would have been mentioned because like it would probably make its way into some 
theory theory or rather yeah <laughs> other people i saw one source that said like two distress lights were lit at the top of the deering when it was found i'm surprised it didn't make it into more iterations of this that i read so i'm not completely sure but the theory that accompanies that is that perhaps they got rescued by the hewitt and then their mystery turns into the hewitt's disappearance mystery that would be terrible but you know what people who voyage on the sea i won't say the full word again they (laughs) (laughs) they are very superstitious people and so maybe there was something unlucky with the crew that they brought onto the Hewitt and caused that to crash as well. Oh, so you're saying like maybe they just had no option they, had a curse. they were going to, uh, which they picked up in the Bermuda Triangle, of course. Yep, clearly. There oh, we okay, go. Okay, this is soft. Yep. All right, bye. <laughs> 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 And I feel like I'm about to get into the second elephant in the room, which is pirates. Okay, I was, that was the elephant I was kind of glancing at a little. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Definitely a contender. This is not like, I'm not going to be like, no, there's no pirates. Because I mean, by all accounts, they could have been being stalked by that one ship. Yeah, and like you said, oh, the one with the canvas covering the name that didn't respond. It might have had a canvas cover. I'm going to go with it because it makes it creepier. It does make it creepier. <laughs> but yeah, they, they definitely did not respond. Yeah. Yeah, no. And with other ships that went missing and or got hurt during that time, maybe they also got attacked by those pirates. Can you... Oh, 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 the so you were saying, like, the, the ghost ship, as we're calling it, yeah. uh, perhaps attacked the other ships. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, like, there were missing ships in the area, and that not all of them, at least two of them, weren't in the path of the storm, it does call to question, was there something else? Piracy. The people behind the piracy theory were actually... Uh, a whole bunch of them, including pie professionals in the field and Wormel's widow and daughter. There's also two other branches of the pirates theory, which include Russia, because <laughs> there was this communist party, I think, in New York that was the United Russian Workers Party. I, you can hear how uncertain I am when I say this because I'm not sure I have all the information right. But anyway, basically, they, they had said a thing out around that time to their members saying like, hey, if you can take American ships by force and bring them over to the Soviet Union, do it. And so they're like, well, you know, so some people were wondering, like, did the crew do that? But the crew were like Scandinavian and like okay. largely Danish. So like, they, I don't know if there's like a great connection there. And then another thought is that perhaps, because this was during Prohibition times, perhaps like people in the Bahamas who wanted to smuggle rum possibly went after the ship too. So that's like two branches of the pirate theory. I think that there's a lot to be said about the pirate theory because of that ghost ship, because like it's just so suspicious. And the U.S. did put out like pretty, when they were starting investigations, they had said publicly like, we think this is foul play. Like, this does not look right. This does not, this doesn't just naturally happen necessarily. Right. Now, we are getting into the theory that can combine with other theories for sure, and which I am fully team on. I am okay. fully on this theory. Mutiny. I'm not talking about, like, a first mate and a captain fighting, though I think they did. But I'm saying, like, I think the crew mutinied. Okay. 
That would make sense. Yes. The reasons we have for this clearly like when Wormel was coming to Brazil and complaining to his captain friend, he wasn't like singling out the first mate. He was just like the whole crew, the Mm -hmm. whole crew I've had enough with. Clearly he was getting involved in the disciplining of the crew. My guess is the crew probably didn't like that. And we never see Wormel or the first mate, in fact, ever again after Barbados. And they could have been perhaps one of the ones going about on the ship, but like they just weren't mentioned. Why would it be a crew member reaching out to the guy on the light ship if that's not typically how it goes? Mm-hmm. Like if he was like, he, he was able to like kind of like tell that like this wasn't an officer at the ship too. And why would the crew be on the part of the deck that they're not supposed to be on? And the part of the deck, the deck that the captain uses for navigation. And my guess is the crew probably, I mean, maybe they were well-versed in how to sail or like probably on how to sail, but like how to navigate, navigate, possibly they were well-versed on it, but I think it's very possible that they mutinied and then didn't quite know what to do. <laughs> maybe they just like didn't know how to point the ship or like what way. And then. Then the anchor, I love your theory of the anchor being involved in like one of the fights or something, because I can so see like, okay, if you are having a mutiny, tensions are rising. What if one person just goes like wildly angry, gets rid of the anchors, and then that would explain the smash steering equipment too. Like what if like things were just rioting on board and that would explain the captain's quarters being like tossed yeah yeah and okay so if you do all that are you you're stuck going headlong with diamond shoals then they would get into the lifeboats that just makes sense because i didn't have their anchors they don't have their brakes and if the steering equipment was already ruined Um, And I do want to point out that the Cape Hatteras station captain at the time said that he thought the crew took everything valuable from the ship and abandoned it, like before intentionally setting it off toward the shoals so that it wasn't an accidental crash. But they were like, no, we're done with this. We're just going to basically it can't stop anyway. So we're just going to end this journey over Mm -hmm. here. I just there's so many ways this could go. And, like, you know how, like, in modern TV shows, there's this idea of, like, criminals robbing a bank and then escaping with the money to some island, like, tropical island resort area where the money, like, U.S. money goes further than the local money. And so you're living the life for the rest of your, like, you're retiring to the beach, essentially. I wonder if something like that happened where since you said they stole everything valuable off, they just all kind of like went to some island and was like, don't tell anyone. Here's some money. We're all just going to live here now. Yeah, because if because there was so much like focus on foul play, if they did come forward with it and like they were guilty, you know, of mutinying then they would be in a lot of trouble. It's not Mm -hmm. like you can really hide what you did. Your best bet would be to purposefully lie low. So, and I really feel that like at least one, probably two people died. Yeah. Like not of natural causes. (laughs) 
Yeah. But it's also very possible the whole crew, because, like, you are out on the lifeboats, in theory. And it could have been their plan to find an island to lie low on for a little bit until everything washed over. But maybe they weren't expect like they were stuck on the lifeboats didn't know where to go and then did end up dying yeah that's possible too do you think it was a mutiny beyond just the first night i definitely think there was at least a fight between the first mate and the captain at the very 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 least i mean he kind of threatened to kill him yeah yeah but um honestly that itself could have spurred a mutiny if they were fighting, just with all the tensions and all that, it could have just been chaos. It sounds like it was. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if they left the ship before the ship was spotted by, like, those people that saw it the night before it crashed, the evening before it crashed, because nobody was on it. And they, they did say, yeah, they did say they didn't see anybody. And I feel like on a, I mean, it's not tiny it's not huge but it's a boat you know i feel like you'd see men on the boat if it has to sail you know yeah and i mean it's actually a pretty good sized ship i wish i had gotten the dimensions but i don't have the dimensions but it has five maps pretty big the dimensions would have meant nothing to me anyways it was five feet long zoe that sounds really big okay great But yeah, that's the story of the Carol A. Deering and the Graveyard of the Atlantic. Well, thank you very much, Robin. That was a fun episode. I mean, sad that people potentially died, but... No, yeah, for sure. But it it is like a hundred-year-old mystery. Like, almost to the T. 101-year-old mystery. 101-and-a-half-year-old mystery. It's 2022. Yeah, so it crashed... Oh, that happened 21. That's right. Okay. Okay. But yeah, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you, Robin. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friendo, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash haunted hospitality for $3 a month. You get a new episode with us. Yes, and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky. You can also check out Robin's sources on hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com. Or if you have your own spooky story, whether that be true crime or supernatural happening anywhere in the world, you can write to us at hauntedhospitalitypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our DMs. Yes, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Haunted Hospitality. We are also on Twitter at Haunted House. We hope to see you there. Stay Stay spooky. spooky.